Brad Long, a colleague of mine, and I were in Jerusalem, and during that time, Brad had uh, an amazing vision from God. And uh, this vision was to the effect that Jerusalem is the center of the world. He saw it as the center of the world. And uh, because he'd never had any teaching about this, it caused him to really look differently at uh, world geography, that uh, there is a center, one city that is more important. It's the, shall we say, ground zero for the kingdom of God. We've seen a little hint of that in our teaching in Glory Through Time, where uh, the gospel starts at Jerusalem, it goes around the world in a westerly direction, and it ends up with the Back to Jerusalem movement. And Jesus tells the Chinese in the Back to Jerusalem movement that when they complete that movement, he is going to come back. And we know from the, from the scriptures that uh, he's literally going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives and then he's going to come across the Kidron Valley and he is going to establish his throne on Mount Zion. So that, that makes Jerusalem a very, very important city. Even when Christians don't believe it, um, because Satan can read the Bible just the same as we can, and though God really intended the Bible for his friends, his enemies are also avid Bible readers. And so they can see perfectly well what, the, what is going to happen in Jerusalem. And so that's what we want to deal with today. Why is it that Jerusalem is becoming almost like the hub of spiritual conflict today? Ground zero. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a contested piece of ground, uh, more than any other piece of ground. Uh, we're going to see this growing in, uh, in future years. Because the enemy can read scripture and he knows where his opposition is going to come. He knows where his end is going to come and where Jesus, the Messiah, is going to establish his kingdom. It's going to be on Mount Zion, which is at the center of Jerusalem. It's just the southern part or just south, immediately south of the old city of Jerusalem, where David had his throne. All right, so, but most of us Gentiles don't think like this. Uh, frankly, I can remember my dad saying, well, that's just the old Jewish way of thinking. And, uh, you know, I, I accepted that. It was my dad, you know, and so this is the way most Protestants have been thinking, most Catholic, most mainline, old-line denominational people um, think that heaven is in up there, or it's the way your heart is. The kingdom of God is a change of heart, which it certainly is. But to think of it as being a geographical kingdom, that's where most of us kind of get off the wagon. And uh, so let's just look at this whole concept of what is the kingdom of God? Is it an actual geographical kingdom that will be established in a place named Jerusalem? Uh, first of all, to look at uh, some of the passages that we usually think of 
to support this other view that we're calling amillennialism, where it's not Jesus coming back to establish his kingdom on earth, but it's just we're going to heaven and we have a change of heart now and when we're converted then the kingdom is inside us and we go to heaven where the kingdom is and so it's just that and and we don't even care about what's going to happen to earth because we're going to heaven and so since that's the way we think um, and we're, we're discovering that maybe God doesn't think that way maybe God is determined to transform the earth back to his original vision so that we have that part added into it and that's part of the gospel. That's the gospel of the kingdom Jesus preached. It includes the total restoration of all things, heaven and earth, spirit, soul, body. Everything gets restored in this gospel that we're talking about here. But then Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So he was saying that to the apostle, uh, to uh, uh Pilate, um, and so John 18, 36 is where you'll find that. And often we use that as, as a, shall we say, an explanation or a justification for believing that there is no this worldly kingdom, meaning geographical kingdom. But actually, as you look at that in John 18, 36, you discover that He's not saying that to Pontius Pilate. Um, he's saying something different. Where It's like what he says, you are in the world, but not of the world. He's talking to, uh, to us. And, and that's the way we're to understand um, our own position in the world. Uh, we're still in the geographical area of the world, yet we're not of the world. So you see, the expression of the world means something different than just being in the world. Um, of the world means we're of the system, the power and might system of Rome, uh, the, the whole way that empires are built through power and might. No, his way is by my spirit. And so his way is a different way and he's telling Pilate that he, his kingship is not of the same type of kingship, but he's not saying it's not in, in, in this world. So of the world, no. In the world, yes. Uh, we're still dealing with a geographical kingdom that's going to transform all things. Um, then there's repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which is what we read in the Gospel of Matthew, which leaves the impression that the kingdom of heaven is what we're going to when we go to heaven. That's where the kingdom of heaven is. It's in heaven, right? But actually, no. Um, heaven is going to come to earth. And that's the whole idea here of the second coming of of Christ. He's bringing heaven to earth to restore all things on earth. So now why does he call it the kingdom of heaven in Matthew? You discover as you, you, you read this more closely and you do a study of the words here. Um, the other gospels use the words kingdom of God. It's only in Matthew 
that you discover uh, it being called the kingdom of heaven. And I believe that's because Matthew was a Jew writing to Jews. It's well known that the, the gospel of Matthew is, is written to Messianic Jews of the, of the first century. So um, he's using an expression that is going to be comfortable in Jewish culture. You know how Jews don't like to, to name God. They don't like to name the name of God. Uh, in writing, they'll often uh, put G blank D and because they don't like to, there's too much reverence for the name. You see what I'm saying? They don't like to say the word Yahweh or Jehovah and so they'll substitute the word Adonai. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a feature of Jewish culture that we don't have in Gentile culture. And so when Matthew was writing to Jews, instead of saying the kingdom of God, he said the kingdom of heaven. But it's the same thing as the other writers are describing, uh, that the only reason for the difference in wording is that Matthew was writing to Jews. And so it's the kingdom of God coming on earth, you see. It's a geographical kingdom. It's something that's going to be established on earth. In other words, God is literally going to heal the land. He's not just healing people, but he's healing the land, as George Otis shows us in uh, his videos. It's a, it's a total restoration of things in the spirit realm, also in the political realm, in the physical realm, every part, nature, everything is going to be healed in this gospel of the kingdom. And then, of course, there's the, the place in Luke 17, uh, 21, where he says, the kingdom of God is within you, or the kingdom of God is among you. And, of course, that is true as well. When, when the kingdom enters into our lives in that deep spiritual way, and we are born again, and spirit-filled, and all the things that happen inside us when we open our lives with abandon to Christ. Um, yes, those things are all real, and those things are, are all happening, and that is the kingdom of God, but that doesn't exclude that Jesus wants to restore all things. It's not just that, it's that and all the other things. And so you see how we've limited God by insisting that this be just a born-again change and just going to heaven after we die, when all along God has had in mind the restoration of all things. And hopefully by now we've seen that that, that is so. Um, so does God name places? And should we take the places uh, where... Uh, we, we learn about Jesus, should we take the place names seriously? And of course, we look back, and we know, uh, those of us who, who are believers, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Go back to Micah 5, you'll find that the, the prophet Micah accurately said where Jesus was going to be born. Jesus started his ministry in a place called Galilee. Um, go back to Isaiah 9, and you'll discover Isaiah prophesied exactly where his ministry was going to start. 
we we believe in the geographical place names of of the prophets when it comes to the first coming of Christ. Why don't we believe in the geographical place names now that those prophets have established their credibility for place names? Why don't we believe that when those same prophets, Micah, Isaiah, and the others, talk about his second coming and they name the place, we suddenly get all foggy and uh, airy-fairy and, and uh, cloudy in our thinking, and we say, well, it couldn't literally mean Jerusalem. It does mean Jerusalem. So let's look and see what it says about Jerusalem and the coming of the kingdom of God. For example, Isaiah 4. And I'm just going to read these things, and you can open your Bibles, Isaiah 4, 2 to 6. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. Those who are left in Zion, okay, this is after a great traumatic event, an episode in world history that's going to be very traumatic. Those who are left in Zion who remain in Jerusalem will be called holy. All who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem, the Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. Over everything, the glory will be a canopy. Can you imagine that? Just picture Jerusalem having this canopy over it as a manifestation of the presence of God. It will be a shelter and a shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and a hiding place from the storm and rain. Now, this is not talking about heaven. This is talking about Jerusalem. This is Mount Zion, pure and simple. Or let's go to Jeremiah 3 and look at uh, verses 16 and uh, 17. In those days when your numbers have increased greatly in the land, declares the Lord, people will no longer say the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It will never enter their minds or be remembered. It will not be missed, nor will another one be made. At that time, they will call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all nations will gather in Jerusalem to honor the name of the Lord. No longer will they follow the stubbornness of their evil hearts. And so a throne is going to be the main feature in Jerusalem, and we know who's going to sit on that throne. It's the king. That's why we call him the Christ. He's the anointed one, the king, the coming king. And he is going to reign from Jerusalem. There's no other place for him to reign. He, it, it, every passage talks about his reigning in Jerusalem from the throne of David. Let's look at Micah now. We just read from Micah 5. This is Micah 4, verses 1 through 4. The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and peoples will stream to it. 
Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. You see how the, the city of Jerusalem is the center of a great movement of world peace that covers the whole globe, and every nation will, will enjoy the fruit of this, kingship of peace from the priest king. And finally, and there are many, many, many passages. You could, you could find dozens, but let's look at this one. Shout and be glad in Zechariah 2.10. Shout and be glad, daughter of Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land, and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. Well, you, can you see that this is the center of the world, Jerusalem. So you can understand why Jerusalem is so contested today. If this is going to be the center of the geographical kingdom of God, and it's going to replace Satan, and Satan doesn't want to be replaced, and you can understand why there might be a conflict. And the, the, the conflict is going to, to focus in more and more on the city of Jerusalem until the end. So that's why it's important for us who are intercessors to recognize that at least some of our prayers need to be prayers for Israel and for the kingdom of God, even the geographical kingdom of God, as it comes to fulfillment and there is a fruition, there is a culmination. And everybody, every believer needs to understand the importance of that city. God is also hand-picking people to go there. And this is, uh, many of them are Messianic Jews. And I believe that um, God is going to be opening the door for more and more Messianic Jews to share the gospel with other Jews. But he's also bringing from uh, the East uh, many Chinese and Koreans and uh, other Asians, Lord, the, the people of the chopsticks that the Lord is raising up right now. And so all of this is culminating. There's a, there's a great flow. If, if you go to Jerusalem today, you'll see huge derricks and cranes building uh, high-rise apartment buildings because um, of so many people going to Jerusalem right now. And, um, and then, of course, the Back to Jerusalem movement, which, which is uh, such an exciting uh, prospect right now, is, is bringing the gospel to all of the uh, Muslim countries 
that are between China and Israel. And we're going to see a huge uh, turning of the tide in those countries leading towards uh, the Holy Land. And so what an exciting time we live in.